0: Um, I think there 's incredible opportunities for the church to get engaged with young people and with families um, we meet we 've got a new building which is on the uh, grounds of a school it 's a great place to have a building um, and uh, we were meeting with a, a young person the other week and because we 've got our own building, parents are now coming and staying, which is great. Um, And I didn't have anybody who could sit with a parent. Um, And I was thinking, like, if there were people from church who could just be trained to just sit and listen. Um, Because a week before that, one of my team members, Tracy, just happened to be in the office. We're back again, yeah. And um, I met with somebody, and the parents stayed behind. And she just sat in the room and the parent poured her heart out, you know, from her perspective of what it was like to be going through divorce and separation. So while we were meeting with the young person, they were meeting with the parent. So it was a way in which the church can engage with families and young people. Okay, so what we're going to look at today, how have families changed? What's the problem that we're experiencing at the moment? What does it mean for young people? And how can we practically offer support? Now, hopefully, we're going to watch a video. Let's see if this will work.
1: from school look quite content with life and why not they're looking forward to an important date dinner at home with the family what's the matter doesn't that sound exciting to you well to them it's a special occasion as it has been ever since they sat down to dinner in high chairs why should they feel that way about something you take so completely for granted well let's see if we can find out First of all, daughter has changed from school clothes to something more festive. Dressing a little makes her feel and consequently look more charming. Even the table takes on a special air. Mother, too, changes from her daytime clothes. The women of this family seem to feel that they owe it to the men of the family to look relaxed, rested, and attractive at dinner time. Brother is spending an hour before dinner catching up on his homework. He has plans evening. Perhaps that explains the telephone call. But he won't spend a lot of time on the phone either. When there are several members of the family to be considered, it is not a good idea for one member to monopolize the phone. And it is never good to allow telephone conversations to interfere with studies. Hmm, is it that late? Dad will be here any minute. Better tell mother she's needed in the kitchen. Brother notices the time and realizes that he must put things in order and clean himself up in time for dinner. Hello there. Junior is always in a hurry, particularly for dinner. But first, there's a clean-up job to do on this young man. Brother takes it upon himself to help share Junior's responsibility for keeping their room in good order and keeping Junior in good order, too. Punctuality is stressed in this household. By that, I mean hair is combed and faces and hands scrubbed before the boys come to the table so they won't delay the meal. Now mother and daughter put the finishing touches on the dinner. Father too looks forward to this date with the family. He has had a hard day at the office and in his briefcase are some contracts which must be looked over tonight. But in the meantime, he will relax at dinner with those he loves. A simple centerpiece made from some flowers which grow in the backyard is another of Daughter's contributions to the dinner. But it takes up a little too much room, so she moves it to the sideboard.
0: Same as my house. No different. (laughs) I sent that video to a friend. It's on YouTube. I think if you google 1950 family date it will come up and uh it was a conversation on my uh, text message conversation with my friend you know about how uh, you know we wished it was like that in our house and then his wife got hold of the mobile and she said call yourself a counselor <laughs> so what did you see in that video that's different just call out a few things What's changed? Or are your houses like this? (laughs) (laughs) Are families like this? The role of the woman? Yes. Eating together, a big thing, isn't it? We don't do it very often. Rationing telephone. Rationing telephone, yeah. I mean, the phone for a start was in the... Well, I don't know where it was, in the hallway... it's an American house, so the cord was really long, wasn't it? He could take it in his bedroom, but he could only talk on it for a few seconds, a few minutes. And he respected others. Sorry. They're all going to eat together, and this is an important occasion. They're going to eat together. Yep. Prioritizing it. They're not just eating on the run. It's a big event. It's part of family life. It's a special occasion. I love the the um, centerpiece that daughter had uh, had taken just a few flowers from the garden and produced that <laughs> amazing <laughs> centerpiece. Sorry. ownership mm. yeah, everyone had their role. Um, the older boy looked after his little brother. Expectation of sharing together that they'd have a pleasant experience. I wish I could show you the whole of that video, it's quite hilarious and uh, is just incredibly. I mean, looking at it now, we'd say it's so sexist, but uh, times have changed. That was the 1950s, and who would believe that's 62 years? It's just incredible. I was born in 1957, so I'm very young. But, um, my children are grown up. And we did try and have meals together, but that's not the normal thing. Um, more and more, I'm hearing parents say, um, yeah, uh, uh, Susan's great, we don't have any trouble with her. She comes in from school and she goes straight up to her room and she just does, I don't know what she does really. She's up there and we don't hear any more you know, from her. We don't see her. And I'm thinking, that's not good. It's not good. But a lot of parents almost are saying, no, this is good. You know, my children, they've got everything they need in that bedroom, haven't they? They've got their Xbox or PlayStation. They've got their mobile phone. They can be on Facebook, Twitter, um, MSN, uh, BlackBerry Messenger. I know BlackBerry Messenger is called BM. I found that out a few weeks ago. I'm quite smug about that. (laughs) I'm in with the kids. Um... But they don't need anything. They've got their television with um, free view. They've got their DVDs. They've got whatever they need. Well, physically, whatever they need. But um, I'm thinking about uh, a 14-year-old girl I met with last week. Her parents had asked, asked if she, we, I would meet with her and help her because she's getting angry at school. Um, parents are both together... Uh, She's the oldest of three. And um, guess what she wanted most of all? What do you reckon? Family time. She wanted to go somewhere with her dad on her own without her two little sisters hogging the limelight. Um, This almost makes me cry, but I remember a a boy that I worked with who um, just wanted to... Spend more time with his dad. So I said, Well, why don't you ask dad if you can walk the dog? Just say to him, Can we just go out, just the two of us, and walk the dog? Um, and uh, the next time I met with him, I said, Well, how did it go? And we practiced how was he going to say this to his dad. And he said, Well, I asked my dad, and um, he got uh, £20 pound out, and he said, Go into the shopping centre and get yourself something. He didn't want to do that. He wanted to walk the dog. His dad could have saved £20. um, But the dad gave him money to go and buy whatever he wanted. He wanted time. And uh, this morning we heard uh, about the fact that as churches we have time. What was the other thing? Friendship and time. That was it, wasn't it? That we can offer. Okay, so that's the family. It's an interesting quote that was in uh, the Evangelical Alliance magazine a few months ago, just about the power of the media that tells us basically what we want. And, you know, perfect families. But this person says, as long as our understanding of love is based purely on positive emotion and experience, then success in relationships is measured by how little we risk and how little we give. So we're, um, you know, we're, we're, we're wanting everything to go really well. When something doesn't go well, um, often parents will give up. You know, if that if that little spark isn't there, then they're thinking, okay, our marriage is not a success. And they're not realising, actually, you know... It's about giving and taking and difficult things. <clears throat> by train or by car, what do I mean by that? I think things have changed in the way that we go about life. Um, when, I was, when I was young, I'm not that old, but when I was younger, you sort of knew. It was like getting on a train. You'd, um, you'd go to school Then you'd probably go to college, you might go to university, or you go out to work, you get a job, you'd maybe get an apprenticeship, but you knew roughly. You got on the train, you knew where you got off, you knew where it was going. But nowadays, life is much more about a car journey. So you, um, I don't know if this is happening in schools in Scotland, but. You know, you sort of decide which school you want to go to. Do you want to go to a a school that specialises in performing arts, or do you want to go to a a school that does technology? Or you know, where do you you want to do your education? How do you want to shape your education? Um, Maybe you're going to go out one afternoon and pop over and do hairdressing over at that other school, and you sort and that that goes right through life. So it's more of a a car journey, people choosing what they do. So that's a bit about like how things have changed. So what's the problem? Well, we know from a very good report called Kids in the Middle um, that actually 70% of children whose parents separated rated their experience as bad or very bad. And then 72% of children said that they needed someone to talk to about their feelings. 72%. So most children actually did want someone to talk to about their feelings. We also know that 10% of 5- to 16-year-olds have clinically significant mental health difficulties. And what is mental health? Because we talk about, oh, someone's mental health. Well, the World Health Organization... um, describes it as this mental health is defined as a state of well-being we talked about shalom and well-being this morning in which every individual realises his or her potential, can cope with the normal stresses of life can work productively and fruitfully and is able to make a contribution to her or his community that's what WHO Describe as mental health. Okay, let's have a look at this young man called John. John, let's say, uh, has just found out that his parents are getting a divorce. Uh, he waved his dad off in the morning, like normal, and when he came home in the evening, he found that all of his dad's stuff had gone The DVDs that he liked to play, um, his dad's favourite jacket, the wardrobe, were all empty. So John is sitting there in school and he's in an English lesson. And it's the first period of the day. Is John going to be able to realise his potential? Can John cope with the normal stress of life? Can he work productively and fruitfully? And is he able to make a contribution to his community? What do you reckon? Probably not, no. He's not at a point where um, he needs to see somebody from the Adolescent Mental Health Service, but his levels of anxiety and stress are probably pretty high. If his English teacher says to John... John where's your homework you know it was due in today you were meant to do it last night is John going to say I'm really sorry miss my dad has just left and um, I wasn't able to do it because my mum was inconsolable no he's probably not going to be able to do that He will. what do you reckon he might do instead yeah throw a freak maybe he'll knock his chair over he'll storm out the room He might burst into tears or he might, I would say like a lot of children, just sit there very, very quietly and take the flack and he'll take the detention that he's got and he won't say a word. Um, When I was about 12, I uh, I remember getting in trouble because I hadn't, no it wasn't 12, I was at junior school. Um. I hadn't done some work I was meant to do and I thought I was going to get in a lot of trouble. And the reason I hadn't done the work is because there wasn't a room that was warm that I could do the work in. Um, But I didn't know that I could tell the teacher that and I burst into tears and eventually I said to the teacher, this is why I haven't done my work. Now in those days, the teacher actually let me go round to their house and I was able to do the work. I mean, it wouldn't, I don't think it would happen now. But uh, I thought, in my head, I thought I was going to get into trouble for not doing the work. I thought that um, nobody would understand that I should be able to cope. And I guess John perhaps feels the same. So poor John. So what does the research say? Well, we, you know, if we work with young people, we know that parental separation and bereavement and loss in general affect young people. But this research here says, conflict between parents adversely influences their psychological development, their social competence and their academic achievement. That's not always true, but um, let's look at the other one. And sustained parental conflict increases the risk of anxiety and depression, aggression, hostility and antisocial behaviour. When parents divorce or separate, that behaviour, that conflict may have been with the young person all the way through their life. They may have had to uh, put up with that. And so it's not just something that's there for a short period of time necessarily. So what does it mean to John? John? Well in John's head as he's sitting there trying to listen to the teacher and failing he might be thinking do you know what it's my fault why didn't I behave why didn't I do what mum and dad said if I'd done that then mum and dad would still be together he might be thinking what a relief the arguments aren't going to happen anymore and if they split up If it's anything like my friend, I'm going to get two lots of Christmas presents. That's all right. He might be thinking, where am I going to live? Or he might be thinking, who's going to wash my football kit? How am I going to get to that rugby match? No, what am I going to do at weekends? So all of this stuff going around John's head. Feelings. What's he feeling physically? John might have a really upset tummy. He might actually need to get out of the class because he needs a toilet. He might be feeling quite sick. He might not not be able to eat, but he might have a real emptiness inside. Um, I remember working with an adult once who talked about loss, and uh, they described... An ache in their belly. It was very descriptive. Just something missing inside their stomach. It's very powerful. He may be really tensed up inside. There was a boy um, that I worked with. He used to get tummy aches. And it was every time his mum and dad were going to court to sort out the money, the maintenance money. Um, And he didn't know what court was like. He thought... It was like you see on TV and there'd be someone in a week and his mum and dad would be in the dock and um, there'd be policemen there. Um, he didn't realise it would happen in a room, just a normal room with normal people. But every time it happened, he would get these tummy aches. So the ro- range of emotions. Um, one of the things in our course we do is help children understand the actual um feelings that they're experiencing. So rather than just, I'm angry, what's underneath the anger? And this is quite small, but uh, we've got words like, uh, we've got anger there, we've got sadness, depression, we've got denial. So when you hear some bad news, those of you who've had this experience of loss will know you feel numb and you go, no, no, I can't believe it, can't be, can't be true, am I imagining it? That feeling of denial, bargaining. Is there anything I can do to make this change? This person who did this one said they were just quiet. They went from being unconfident with their friends to being really confident. Sometimes they had hope, sometimes they didn't. They couldn't sleep, they were moody, they were tired, they were treated differently. Um, For young people, that's really hard. Being treated differently when you want to go with the crowd is really difficult. And some people suffer shock. When parents separate, they emotionally aren't always available because they're sorting other things out. They're sorting out what's going to happen to the children. Who's going to share the kids? How much money have we got? Am I going to be available to them emotionally and physically. How on earth are we going to pick them up from that club and get them to the other club on the other side of the town? They're adjusting to change, they're adjusting to loss and there can be problems with um, uh, their families taking sides. Um, I worked with a student who was used to going on holiday with um, her uh, her mum 's friends and her dad 's friends they 'd all go away, and she got to know the children when her parents split up, the biggest thing for that for her was not being able to see those friends that she 'd made from those different families. That was really hard. other families you know you lose contact with grandparents and uh, so on that can be difficult <laughs>
2: Mm. Mm. My name's James Arthur. I'm 24. I'm from saltburn near Middlesbrough. Uh, I live in a flat It isn't the Ritz. More like a bedsit than a flat And you got family with you? i mum. Family, friends I love the way, before we finish the sentence, <laughs> <laughs> you go, I'm his mum <laughs> Very
3: proud. Mom. Like, really? Yeah, no,
2: no, no joking. I'm okay. his
1: dad There
2: we go <laughs> My mum and dad split up when I was really young The difficult thing for me was the fact that my mum and my dad didn't have any sort of relationship for my entire life. I went off the rails, especially at school. I used to get, you know, suspended, thrown out. I ended up, like, sleeping sleeping rough sometimes. So I volunteered myself into foster care. I didn't want to be involved in any of the arguing anymore. I just wanted to get away. So, initially, music was a coping mechanism.
3: There's, there's times when <clears throat> I've listened to um, some of his music um, and the lyrics are so, um There's some deep stuff in there, you know? And there's times I, I feel, you know, have I done enough? Did I do enough?
2: One day I had to just go stop behaving like a child and grow up.
3: He put a lot of his feelings and his emotions and his anxieties into his music.
2: I'm going nervous. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty nervous, yeah. Today is the first time my mum and dad have been together in uh, 22 years.
3: We all decided um, prior to coming today that regardless of whatever has gone before we would just move forward and today really it's been James that's brought both sides of the family together. Right, James, we're going to go through onto stage, do you want to grab everyone? All right, guys, we're all ready, yeah?
0: Yeah.
3: Fantastic. Follow me.
0: Uh, Talisa.
3: Sorry, it's a no from me.
0: Four no's. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Are you, you done? Done? No, no. Yeah. Woo! James Arthur, if you follow X Factor, I think he's doing quite well, isn't he, James? So, um, But he used music to get his feelings out. Really good way of um, expressing himself but his story is one of parents separating and um, him finding a way of dealing with that. Okay, so a young person going through loss is also going through normal losses associated with just growing up. Uh, They've got the loss of their childhood. An interesting thing is if you see, what happens if you put a a 15-year-old in a room with a younger child with Lego, especially a boy they'll be straight in there playing with the Lego building stuff because they want to be a child again so you've got loads of stuff going on Um, this little graphic I hate you reminds me of a book called um, it's called get out of my life and then in brackets it says but first give me a lift into town (laughs) so it's like okay I don't want to know you go away I hate you uh, don't walk near me. Uh, I don't know you, but if you say, "Okay, you going to town on your own?" and they're going, "Mum, can I have a lift? I don't know where to get off the bus." So there's loads of stuff going on physically. they you know, their limbs are longer than their brains can work out. So they're knocking things over. They're, you know, all sorts of stuffs going on physically for them that confuses them and they don't understand. Um, if we had more time, we'd look at these in greater detail. Academically, when they go from junior school um, to senior school, when they're at junior school, they've got all of that uh, you know, maternal or paternal environment with one teacher. They get to secondary school. They've got to find their way around this huge building. They've got, um, they've got to do projects on their own. And actually, that's a problem when they even for children when they get to sixth form college or uni, they're left on their own, and that's scary and can, you know, make them really anxious. Socially, we've looked at a bit that 1950s video, the ways that young people communicate is just so wide, Um, and yet they're very keen to have community, and you can have. 700 friends on Facebook, but how many friends are actually friends? Um, McCann, the advertising agency, did a study around youth and they said that what youth want really is truth and community. That was two of the things that they talked about. They want to be in a community. Well, Let's just think, do we know any places that give people community and where they hear the truth? I think possibly the church might well be, should be one of those places where young people can find community and the truth. Um, They're developing emotionally, aren't they? And they're developing sexually. And they're trying to work out who they are. And people are telling them all sorts of different messages around, you know, who their identity is, and you know, are they gay? Are they straight? It's okay. Whatever goes. So they've got all of this stuff, and throw into that a um, parental separation um, or a bereavement, because actually the feelings are often very similar, um, and you've got a real hodgepodge. That sounds really depressing, everything I've said so far. Um, Not all children and young people need um, extra support when they experience things. Most children are resilient enough to cope, but many aren't. And um, my team are in school pretty much every day of the week. And we work in 15 schools. We are there every week in those schools, and there are always children that need support. Now, the children who often need support are those who perhaps are the ones where perhaps the family isn't functioning particularly well. There aren't the extended family people. There aren't the aunties or the grannies or whoever grandad's around who can offer that support. Maybe the parent has a mental health need Um, Lots of reasons. It's very complicated. But what we find is um, children who can say these three sentences, finish these sentences off, uh, we can begin to see that they have resilience and are able to cope. Resilience is a bit like, uh, you know, you see a tree on the side of a cliff and it's hanging on in there, but it's really bent over. And you think, how on earth is that tree staying it's where it is. Why doesn't it get blown away? Well, it's because it's got strong roots and it's got resilience. So if a young person can say, I can, I can do football. I can paint. I can uh, beat everybody at uh, FIFA 2013 on my PlayStation. Whatever. I have. So if a young person can tell you Well, actually, who do you talk to? Well, actually, my auntie Gladys is brilliant because I can tell her anything and she just listens. They've got somebody there. They can think of people in their lives that they can go to. I am. That's about them as a person. I am friendly. I am caring, whatever. And so John is going to be able to cope with whatever's going on in his life. But he might need some help from people like yourselves to identify those people. He might need some help to identify the feelings that are happening. So how can we practically offer support? Well, here's a very simple way that you could, if you work with young people, and you would think, how can I help that young person think about what's going on for them? I'm just going to hand these out actually. If you could pass some, take one and pass them back. <coughs> when you get one, just think, maybe draw a couple of thought bubbles on it, and then think what's going round in my head at the moment. It should, of course, be I'm concentrating on. Pete's seminar, so nothing at all is going around in my head. But I guarantee it won't be that. You'll be thinking about later on today you've got to go to Tesco's and get some, I don't know, something for tonight, or you've you forgot to do whatever, or you've got to get some money out of the cash dispenser. Or there's other stuff, more important stuff than that that's going around your head. You might want to jot that down now, you might not want to, but that resource is out of a book called um, Draw on Your Emotions, um, which is, um, I think, by Margot Sunderland, and it's available from Speechmark. It's a book full of worksheets that anybody really can use safely. It's not stuff that you use you know, in a, in a deep, counselling, trying to go back to their past type of way but just thinking about what is going round in your head at the moment. So for me, as I work with young people one-to-one, or in groups, just helping them to think about what's going round in your head. I didn't have that sheet available one day, so I had to draw the head. And if you can draw as well as me, you can do this exercise. That's my drawing. He wasn't feeling very happy. And this person just jotted down a couple of things that were going around in their head at the time. I had to read it, so I couldn't remember what was written on it. But he was struggling with people who weren't being very nice to him. He was getting a bit of, a, a bit of bullying. Other people use this worksheet and cover it in thoughts. Here's another one. You know... Just that word, grrr, scrawled across the page, says a lot about what was going on in that student's head. And I guess that can be used... This worksheet can be used by youth workers or anybody. It's it's a really good, very simple resource. And actually, if they just sit there doodling on it, scribbling on it, that is a good use of time. Because young people aren't going to want to sit at 45 degree angles, and be counselled. Not in my experience, they'd want to be doing something as well. So we've developed the Lost and Found course, um, a course for small groups of children who are perhaps struggling with um, issues of loss. The course covers, um, I guess although it's a very tidy version of what happens when you lose someone, it covers the, the, um, the Kubler-Ross theory around loss. So it covers stages because it's a good way of producing a course. So we look at denial, we look at numbness, we look at anger, we look at bargaining, we look at um, sad feelings that you might have, um, It's called depression, but it's a reactive depression. Depression, um, a reaction to something that's happened. And um, we look at hope for the future. We look at acceptance. The course um, that we use in each session, at the end of each session, has a Bible verse. And um, I have had Christian organizations say to me, how can you have a Bible verse in it? You're taking it into secondary schools. Um, surely they don't let you have a bible verse I said well actually we do we use um, a bible verse in our sessions and that's because the way that we train people is to talk about how as Christians these words from Jesus have really helped me so we're talking about what, what, this, what it's done for me really how, how this verse has helped me and we leave it with the group for them to consider. And there's power in sharing those verses. Um, the Lost and Found course now has um, gone from being used in the UK, as I say, to being used in Swaziland. Very exciting, going to Swaziland in April, training some young leaders, the guys on the left, and in the morning, driving two and a half hours to train some people in the morning and then in the afternoon children who came to a care point um, who lived in the area, they'd come for their food and they would um, access the lost and found course and they were able to uh, understand the feelings that they had around the losses in their lives. In a country where 40% of um, people have HIV AIDS And so, uh, you know, they don't see people living very long and they're dealing with loss. And the course and just getting alongside people, giving them time, offering them friendship, is changing lives. Lives of people like those in Swaziland and lives of people like John in Solihull. This is how you can get in touch with This Way Up. Um, our address should also be on the flyers that um, we've handed out. Um got a few minutes so where I open it up for questions and then panic that you'll ask me something that I can't answer. But, uh, <coughs> okay. Too silent. Mm, yes yeah the question was how many people have we got working with us um, my wife and I developed the course and there's now 10 in the team the course is delivered um, in pairs we, we try and have a, a male and female leading the course um, I guess the thing is, out of the course, out of originally delivering the course, we're now doing um, we've upskilled the team of volunteers so several of them now have um, certificates in counselling um, and two of them have, uh, are working towards their diplomas as well so we're now doing one-to-one work as well as the group work. The group work I would say, can be delivered by people who, who have, um, have done listening skills training, perhaps have a certificate um, or something similar, but are good at listening to young people. Right. In yeah, it so mm. yep. so, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, just this gentleman was saying these problems, you know if they're not dealt with early on, they don't go away. Um, I didn't really get any help till I was about 40. I basically went, I, ha- I went on I melt, I to meltdown. And, um, yeah, I had some counselling. And uh, the guy said, you must have been really angry when your mum died. And I thought, you t- I don't know if I was angry. I was 18 months old. Yeah, but, um, but, yeah, I probably was. But I hadn't dealt with any of that stuff. But it doesn't go away. And the thing is, multiple losses. You probably know children, you know, maybe they've lost granny. And then mum and dad have split up. And then another partner's moved in and then they've split up. So it's not just one. It's multiple stuff going on. Yeah. Um, at the back. Can you tell us something about how, well, going how do you are funded? Oh. Being a Christian organisation, how we funded? Being a Christian organisation, how we funded? We're funded mostly by individual donations and um, uh, Children in need in England won't fund work that's carried out in schools because they believe that the government should cover the cost of that, which is quite frustrating. Uh, we apply for grants. Um, have we ever had um, been turned down because we're a Christian organisation? I think we're quite, we've got quite clever at saying how, how what drives us. Um, I went to see the child and adolescent mental health service. Because they do a lot of referrals, we've got a lot of a good relationship. But um, in that meeting, they put me on the spot and they said, "So you have uh, Christian stuff in your course? What, what's that mean?" And um, I was able to say, "Well, I'm, would, would, our ethos, I guess, is driven by um, compassion, and that example of compassion is Jesus." Um, and have we been turned down for funding because we're Christian? Probably. But then God has provided other ways, so it will come in, yeah, having taken on a new building and looking for a 70,000 pound this year, but yeah, it will happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there was a lady over over here, yeah How do we get into school? Yeah, well, it's so long since we've had to approach a new school. Um, We have a, I mean, if you get in touch, we have a lesson outline that we do, which is around loss in general. So, just looking at what are all the different things that you might lose in life. Well, you might lose a tooth, you might be ill and lose your health, you might, um, your parents might separate, you might lose a girlfriend or boyfriend. What are the feelings around those experiences? And out of the lesson, we do comment cards, would you like to talk further then we follow up with the comment cards and offer the group. Or we approach a school with the course material. We have a standout there with the course material on. Um, and we go to the school. And that's how we got into the first school. And then other schools were saying, what about us? We could do with you as well. And now they actually do pay a small amount towards having us in, which is very unusual. And somebody was over here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the course is really written for year seven to year nine-ish, so <laughs> eleven to fourteen. Um, but we've also developed a course for younger children, which isn't quite ready. It's nearly there. But um, yeah, eleven to fourteen is, is the feel of the course material. It can be adapted, and we have uh, older children as well. Yeah, and one at the back. Yeah. Is the course run during the school day or after school? Um, we run it during the school day, and it's got to be a switched-on school who are prepared to take children out of a lesson for six consecutive sessions, which is why year seven to nine is a good age, because they're not doing coursework. But we do have a school in a very academic, um, a very academic school, in, a, in a, quite a posh area, that will take children out and let them access the course because they know that children like John aren't going to learn anything if they're struggling with other stuff, if that makes sense. But you can run it out of school at your church or youth club or wherever as well. I think we need to stop. It's 25 to 4, but thank you very much. Thank you.